So much about what we have here today is beautiful, wonderful, the best. This country is so blessed with all of the things that we could imagine that we could be blessed with. The people who lived before us worked so hard to set a foundation for us as a country and as a culture. Millions of them lived and died so that we could understand the principles of freedom and liberty and justice for all. So much of what we experience from day to day is full of the mundane problems of the tire of our car going flat or uh, something not going right at the movie theater or there being something, too much butter on the popcorn or something that is so serious that it defies almost description. But the things that we struggle with and deal with are so many times so foolish and frivolous in the light of the darkness that overshadows the world that we live in in so many places, the darkness that creeps in past the light of God's love into the hearts of men's souls and corrupts them into something that God never intended and enables them to do things that they would have never thought possible as children, but yet as adults live them out on a daily basis in the wars in the Middle East and around the world and all across this globe we find this great darkness has settled in into the hearts of men so that they can no longer live in the light of God's love. We look around us today and we have so much that sometimes we forget. We forget how important it is not to just remember how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to do and how that's supposed to be lived out in our lives as we think they should be, whether there be voluntary thoughts like I talked about at the beginning of this sermon series or involuntary thoughts. Those thoughts need to have a direction and a guide. They need to have a compass. They need to have a center. They need to have something that, that binds them to a foundation that doesn't waver, is not shaken in the storms of life. I have a question for you this morning. Where have you anchored your life? And will that anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? And when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? You see, there's something about this world that defies the description of what we can think of in the natural sense. It, it's more than just what we can know and what we can taste and what we can touch. You see, there's a great force at work in the world today, a great wisdom, a, a source of life itself that enables us to think the way we should. And so when we read Philippians 4.8 and when we talk about all the different things that Philippians 4.8 unpacks for us, I want to conclude with this simple message to you. You cannot do it by yourself. And you cannot lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. We have a God who is sovereign and who loves us and who enables us to have even that faith that is the grain of a mustard seed that reaches out beyond this veil of tears into the light and life and hope of eternity. And that is why it's so important for us when we look at these words and we think about what is true, 
What is true comes from the heartbeat of heaven, comes from the throne room of the Creator who is there this morning. He has not abdicated the throne of the universe. He is there this morning, and the source of His light and love and hope and truth is shining into our hearts today through these words that we've been describing over these last eight weeks. You see, there's, there's something in this. It's not just words on a page. It's, it's not just principles in our minds. It's not just learning how to think correctly and having the seven principles of the next great guru who's going to come along and tell you the power of positive thinking. It's more than that. There's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and works through us and helps us and enables us to think about what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what is of a good report, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. Those things come down to this last word that I want to discuss with you today, and that is the word think. Now, I have no idea what you're thinking about right now. Lollipops and rainbows on this side, and lunch. No idea. But Paul, in this scripture, is talking to us about how we think. And he uses these two words at the bookends of this statement that was inspired by God to us. The first word is whatever. Whatever is a word that covers it all. This is not my way of thinking. This is not Paul's way of thinking. This is God's guide to a new way of thinking. And so whatever is there by divine inspiration. It's a word that describes everything you're about to hear and about to understand. Whatever about love that there is, I want to think about it. Whatever, whatever there is about truth, I want to know it. Whatever it means to honor God, I want to do it. Whatever is of a good report, I want to be able to think and then say that. And so, as we've unpacked this scripture, and as we've talked about this, I want you to come down now to this last word that I want to discuss with you. The word, think. You see, thinking is the most powerful thing we do. You say, well, I thought how we acted was the most powerful thing that we do. Well, the scripture says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's not the other way around. You don't do good deeds and have a good mind. There are people who do a lot of good things, but inside they've got a motive for everything they do. I watched a vision of the future this past week in a series that came out that was about the near future. And in this near future, everybody had a little phone like this. And in this near future, everywhere they went, the people that they saw, they would have a little picture that would surround their face and it would show what their rating was. 
And everybody had a rating. And it was like social media gone nuts. Where, you know, like on Facebook, when you like something, it was, it was that, but it was more than that. Your rating determined who you were. And so you would go and you would, you would like somebody like that. You give them five stars. See, the most you could get would be five stars. So there were signs over restaurants that said, only 4.8 and above. And it was all determined on how nice you were and how much you smiled. And so people were practicing in front of their mirrors. It all had to do with what kind of service you gave. And if you didn't have a meaningful encounter, then you gave them a little bit lower rating. And there was this girl, and she was a 4.2. And she went to look at these apartments. They were beautiful. But you had to be a 4.5. So she got a call from a friend who was a 4.8. And her friend wanted to invite her to her wedding. And so she said, ooh, if I go to the wedding and I make a nice speech as the maid of honor then maybe I can get to a 4.5 because all the people that are going to be there for a 4.8's wedding, they're going to be 4.8 and above. You see where this leads? To the fake, to the artificial, to the imitation. And so much of that I can see happening right now. Your Facebook page is the best version of you possible. And I hope that each one of you is five stars. I hope that you never have to go to a bank or a wedding and wonder if everybody around you likes you because of your rating on your phone and who you are on social media, but rather who you are, really who you are. Because how you think about other people and what they say to you and about you and all that stuff that goes on in the culture that we live in is not headed in a direction that God can be honored in or blessed in, but rather a direction where we can be honored and we can be exalted. And how you think about that, I know that you guys don't go around rating people on your phones, and I know that a lot of this stuff doesn't matter to you, but what I'm talking about is the ways in which the world around us shapes who we are. And how we need to step back from that and how we think and ask ourselves, what is the truth? Unlocking Philippians 4.8 begins and ends with learning how to think. And sometimes that's a process of unwinding what we've been taught. Because not all of us have been taught the truth. Not all of us have been taught to value the things that really matter. Some of us have been taught by our parents to think that what really mattered was how much you had in your bank account. Some of us have been taught to think that we were worthless because our parents didn't honor us at all. Some of us were thought to think that we didn't have any value because of our gender or because of our color or because of our ethnicity. So when we think differently in the way that God wants us to think, something begins to change and transform in our hearts. 
Because there are some things that only God can do. And one of the things that only God can do is change the way we think. And you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it because of who you are or how smart you are or how much you accept what God wants you to become. Rather, you need help that comes from the very essence of your Creator Himself and gives you the power and the strength to think as you ought to think. And what that leads to is what is right. At the end of the show, she had got her flight canceled at the airport and she'd gotten upset with the lady behind the counter. And airport security had put her down all the way to 2.1. And she got to the place where she could rent a car at the airport and 2.1s and below could only get this car. And it was not a good car. And she got it and went as far as she could with it till it broke down. And then she was, she was hitchhiking, trying to get to this wedding. And her friend called her up and said, I see that you're all the way down to a 2.1. Don't even bother coming. After she'd driven through the night to get to the wedding, her friend didn't want her there because she was rated so low that she was no longer welcome. She decided to go anyway. <laughs> and she got to the wedding was there and everybody was sitting around in all their 4.8-ness. <laughs> Sipping the little things, you know, doing the little things and smiling through the feet. <laughs> She's all bedraggled. Her maid of honor dress is just barely hanging on, and she steals the microphone away from the guy who's talking and begins to tell the story of all the things that happened to her and how she got to where she was at. Being real. And the phones begin to chime as her rating began to drop. And drop, and drop, and drop, and drop. Because she was being honest. Because she was being real. You know, some of us here this morning are struggling with some real things. We, we come in here and we do our best. You know, we put on the smiles. We put on the face. But God wants to really help us this morning. He, he sees past all that stuff. He wants, he really, truly wants to help us think differently about who we are. He really wants to help us be transformed into his likeness and his image, the way he created us to begin with. He truly wants us to understand the significance of what it means to be called a child of God. And at the end of the little segment She's in a jail cell because she dropped below 1.0, and when you drop below 1.0, you're in jail. And she's looking through the bars at another inmate, and they begin to have an honest conversation. Your head looks weird. 
well, your face is ugly. And they just, whatever's coming to their mind. Now, I'm not, I'm not in any way uh, endorsing this. <laughs> Please don't just say whatever pops into your head to the person you come out of church with. But they were being honest. And here's the thing. Every person in this sanctuary this morning has at least one fault. At least one character defect. At least one flaw. And yet all of us have come here together to experience God's grace. And that begins with a transformational way of thinking about who we are and who we should be that can only come when God gives us the strength and the help to do it. And so if you've been listening to this series for the last eight weeks and you say, you know, I have a hard time figuring out what's true, join the club, get in the line behind me. I have sometimes difficulty understanding how to best be the honorable person that I need to be. Well, Again, I have struggles sometimes understanding what the right thing is to do or the right way is to go or what is really pure about those first three things of what's true and what's honorable and right. I have a hard time creating love in the people in my life and doing things that are lovely and worthy of that description. I sometimes don't give a very good report. As a matter of fact, I lay people out once in a while and sometimes I'm not a very excellent person or worthy of praise at all. As a matter of fact, I probably have weeks where I haven't done one good thing that should be complimented by anyone. I say, Lord, help us to do the things that God has called us to do, but then ask him for his help to be able to live out those things that he's called us to live out in our lives. And as the streams of thought flow through your minds right now, from the spiritual water of your spirit bubbling up within you right now, I ask you to remember who you are. To remember what this journey is all about. To think about what God wants you to be. At the end of the little show there, as they were escalating their conversation. The final thoughts of the show were just those two inmates face to face at the glass, letting out all those years of misery and frustration of trying to be someone else, of trying so hard to measure up to the status quo of what a perfect mom looks like or what a perfect husband looks like or what the best employee of the year looks like, or how much money's in my bank account, or whether or not my shoes are polished up to the shine of the persons next to me, or all the things we compare ourselves to do and with, and all those years and years and years of frustration of listening to people rate you as you walked by, or how you smiled, or how you looked, or what your dress looked like, or what your suit looked like, or whatever it was that you were able to compare yourself to and nose to nose with just the bars and the glass in between them they screamed insults at each other (laughs) 
but their eyes were smiling. And you could tell that they were just letting it all out, and it felt so good. You ever want to do that sometimes? <laughs> Please don't do it with me anytime soon. But maybe you could talk to your Heavenly Father. and Be real with Him. Let Him know exactly how you're thinking. He is not intimidated by your doubts. He's not intimidated by your questions. He's not intimidated by your fears. He is not overwhelmed by your sorrow. He understands your grief, for he was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows, and he is very acquainted with grief. He was bruised for our transgressions and our iniquities. The chastisement of our own peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah wrote those great words of faith and promise centuries before Jesus came. The truth of God's love has never been more needed than it's needed right now. All the things that have wounded you, all the things that have caused you hurt and pain, he will help carry. And he calls to you today. And says, all you who are weary and burdened, come to me. I will give you rest. And that's why we have that sign on the outside of our church. That's why those words are words that you walk by every time you come into Hope Church. Because we truly want to be a place of hope. And I pray that this Easter season... As we come into the next two Sundays, as we remember as a church this Easter season, that you will take the opportunity not only to find God's hope, but be a bearer of that hope. To take these little cards of what it means to be a living miracle and be that miracle in someone's life. You know the number one reason why people come to church? It's not because of the pastor or how good the music is, as wonderful as Lester is. It comes because somebody took the time to invite them. And so if you will do that, I believe God will bless you. And I want to just pause for just a moment. I don't want you to stand just yet. I want there to be a moment of reflection. How you think about who you are. Putting aside all the masks, putting aside all the thoughts of everything else that's going on in your life, and for just a moment, would you be real with God? Not me. I'm not going to rate you. But with God. Just bow your heads with me for just a moment. And say with me in a prayer of your own words, Heavenly Father, help me to learn how to think. You know the problems and the circumstances and the situations of my life. You know the things that I'm struggling with. You know the things that hurt me. You know the things that are beyond my ability to comprehend or understand. But Lord, I'm going to think about what's true with your help. 
And the truth is your thoughts towards me are more than can be counted. The truth is you love me and you're going to be here with me as I walk through this life and into eternity. Lord, help me to think about what's honorable and, and what's right and what's pure. Help me, Lord, to think about how to be more loving. Help me to think about choosing my words carefully so that I can give a good report. Lord, help me in my life to strive for the excellence that I need to strive for in my own self. And help me to lift up those things that are worthy of praise, Lord. So that as these things work through my mind, the thoughts that are created and shaped are created and shaped by you, Lord, into your likeness and into your image. And Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be content with just the status quo of how we're thinking today. But Lord, take us to the next level of thinking and thought. Take us to the next place of how we live our lives before you and help us to set aside the sin that so easily besets us and run the race that you've set before us. Help us to strive for a heart of purity and holiness. Lord, help us not to stay in the slough of despond, but help us to reach for the gates of the eternal city and live towards the light of heaven itself. And Lord, in, in a fake, artificial, fast-paced world, help us to slow down and recognize the authentic, the real, the lasting, that which we can truly anchor to in the storms of life. Because, Lord, we do have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Your love, Jesus the love that you gave to each one of us. Lord, if there's anybody in here that's struggling with this and struggling with their journey of faith, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to pray a prayer just like this. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that are wrong. I accept by faith your forgiveness on the cross. And I ask you to help me to live a life for you. Lord, if anybody prayed a prayer or anything like that, we know they've begun the journey of faith towards you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to live in such a way that we reflect your likeness and your image through the power of your Holy Spirit this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? And I want to thank you for your kind attention today. And I just pray that God will be with you this week, that he will bless you, that his eternal countenance will look upon you, and that you will receive his peace. Shake hands with at least five people and have a great week. God bless you.